Welcome to Bridge from Nowhere, life on the far northern edge of America. I'm Andy Klein. Today we'll be talking in very scientific terms about the total eclipse of the sun. Or aureal, isn't there some kind of word that means sun? Helioreal. Solar. 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 That's what I was looking for. And we will predict what it will look like. Yeah. I think it's going to be kind of like that Teletubbies baby in the sun. I hope so. I used to love that thing. <laughs> I used to love that thing so much. Our friend photographer Patrice Helmar is bribed to appear on the show. When do I get my pug t-shirt? That's good. I know. That's what you really are here for. That's why I'm here. Look. <laughs> and annoying animal noises. Folks, the rain has started falling. Turn off the lights. Light a candle. And welcome to Howler Monkey Corner. <laughs> but first, Jamie goes to see the eclipse. I gotta go to. Sh- I'm going to Florida. You're going to Minnesota. I am. Florida. Going, well, I'm first going to Southern Illinois to EclipseCon 2017. That's what we want to talk about. Yeah. Is the eclipse. Solar Eclipse Festival and Extravaganza. Right. Coming up, it's right upon us. I know, Monday. So you're going to the one of the places that's trying to be one of the capitals of eclipse-dom. It's in the path of totality. Yes. And apparently this place is also in the path of totality for the next eclipse. It's also in my personal path of totality. Is it? Yes. No, it isn't. Oh, yeah, it is. That's true. It totally is. Yes, it's Carbondale, Illinois. Carbondale, Illinois. Which is where my ex-wife lives. Oh my. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, EclipseCon 2017. So tell me, how did Carbondale end up being the, it's just SIU is there. SIU is there. It's it's a place that's in the path for this one. And then I think there's a partial eclipse in like sometime in like 10 or 15 years. And it's also in the path of total of whatever for that one. Okay. So the Adler Planetarium from Chicago is sending a bunch of people down. NASA is going to be broadcasting from there. NASA. NASA. I'm sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> It's one of those places, like, you know, of all the places to go that's in the path of totality that has a chance to not have any clouds in the sky, like the Midwest. Have you been following? I was, I was looking at a map today where NASA put out a map of the of the odds of having clear skies yeah. on that day. Jen's on it. Jen's yeah. already got the, like, 10-day forecast dialed up. Right. Yeah, we're going to have a car, so if it looks bad, we're going to get up in the middle of the night and drive away. Um, <laughs> find somewhere else. Just go, yeah. But um, we rented out a 10-by-10-foot uh, patch of floor in the Student Union Center of Southern Illinois University for $75 a night um, because it was the only place to stay within, like, at least 100 miles that wasn't, like, $500 a night for someone's Airbnb room. Um, And it'll actually be great because I've been there before, and it's not a very big place. And they estimate that somewhere between 100 and 120,000 people are coming to Carbondale. That's a lot of turds in the fields. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, <laughs> it is. Come so, for the total eclipse and for the turds in the fields between your toes. Next year's yeah. corn crop is going to be great. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> well, I feel like it's going to be We don't even have to plant any corn. Yes. <laughs> Self-planting corn. Yeah. And I'm a little worried it's going to – I mean, I'm not worried. I'm sort of fascinated by this idea that it could be like one of those things you hear about, like that music festival, you know, where like they weren't ready. And, oh, and yeah. I mean, I could totally see the sewage system. I'm sure the cell phone network and the internet is not going to be up to it down there no, at all. No, that's all true. So Jen and I have already decided to set up like rallying points if we get separated. Um that's smart. I think I'm going to pack like I do for a cabin around here. Like, I'm going to bring a headlamp. I'm going to bring a water filter. I'm going to bring my jet boil and some 
mountain house. Hell you know? yeah. I mean, I, I think, think we'll all be right. fighting over the last onion in the grocery store. Yeah, right. I mean, it's really like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and the one thing I'm really glad about where we're staying is, one, we have a place to stay. And also that we're going to just drive to the university and leave the car. And then, like, a, a lot of events are, like, on campus. And we actually got seats in the football stadium to view the eclipse. They sold tickets. Um, so we're in, like, yeah, section 49, row 4, seat A and B or whatever. Yeah. Because um, that's where NASA's going to be. and Well, that's interesting. Now, that's a yeah. funny thing to me. Yeah. I would want to—I think I would want to view—my vision, if, if I were to go view the eclipse, would be I'd, I'm out in a field. You know, it's a natural mm-hmm. event yeah. or something. But it's interesting to think about I'm going to be in a stadium that could be packed. It's going to be full. And it's going to be—you're going to hear all the oohs and ahs, mm-hmm. and you're going to hear idiot comments, or you're going to hear good Clapping. stuff. Whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're in a crowd. I mean, we talked about it a yeah. lot. Phones Jen, everywhere. Phone, yeah. Lights from phones. Well, I think all the phones will be, like, not working um, by then. But, um, you know, we talked about it because we talked about, like, oh, we could go to—I mean, I think, one, no matter where you go, if you're in this path of totality, you're not going to be by yourself. Like, people are really— on this thing, um, that's when I'm going to start burgling. Yeah, it's a pretty should, actually, wide yeah. path. Yeah, but I mean, like you also have I mean, to. You could probably find some. Yeah, I'm not calling into question the way you're doing it. I mean, I think it's awesome. No, and we also, but we like, talked about like, do we want to do like a remote? You know, because like Grand Teton National Park, although that's going to be just full. Yeah, right, too. right, um, right. But we talked about somewhere out west, like there's a lot of empty space, kind of what you're talking about. But then, um, Jen in particular, but I think both of us, like it's. It's also going to be like there's going to be like great presentations and like there's a whole thing around it, which is going to actually be really fun. Um, I'm excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, it should be great. And then I think it's just a matter of like how – where do we put all these people so that everybody can see? Right. Because the other thing is, you know, Jen is not – Jen is not tall. And so like in a field with a bunch of people, she might not be able to see. Um, so I kind of like the fact that we're in like a place um, where there will be seats and stuff. And so like it will be a, a – yeah, so it should be great. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah and just full on EclipseCon costume contests, scientific presentations. I think Jen and I are going to go as an eclipse, where she'll <laughs> right. be the sun. Are you going to do? And uh, I'll be the moon and just like envelop her. Get in front of her a lot. Yeah, you should block put, her view. You should just wear all black. Sure, and that's <laughs> that it. That's good. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I am the totality. See, I'm excited. To your start. face, your head could be the moon. That's true. I mean the moon, and then my head could be the moon with the melon. The melon, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, we we're, we have eclipse glasses or binoculars. We have little eclipse binoculars for looking at it, because apparently you can't look at it. Now, what have long. you heard about what it's going to be like? I don't really know. Disappointment. No, I don't. Th- no one I've ever heard talk about it has said that. I think they it's going to be. Say, it's mind blowing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's I like c- that idea. The one way I feel like it could be described is probably is we've all seen amazing, incredible, amazing photos and images of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. But if you haven't been there, you it's you 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 mm-hmm. are blown away the second yeah. you go to the go to the rim of the Grand Canyon. And I could just imagine it's the same. Yeah, kind of I actually thing, haven't but. been. I've been intentionally kind of avoiding like descriptions of what it's going to be like because I'm just going to find out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We, Jen got us these little binoculars that have like uh, stuff in them so you can actually just stare at the eclipse the whole time. Yeah. I think it's going to be kind of like that Teletubbies baby in the sun. Oh, I hope so. I used to love that thing. <laughs> I used to love that thing so much. I hated that thing. I remember the first time I'm I saw Teletubbies. I am 
steadfastly with Andy here. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Oh, I hated it. First time so I ever saw it, I was in college, and we were going to Great Six Flags Great America. And you were high and drunk. No, I wasn't. Actually, I was a little hungover. It was because we were getting we were leaving at like eight thirty in the morning, and my friend Blake was picking me up, and I'd never heard of Teletubbies before. And I woke up and I was hungover, and I was like trying to eat breakfast, and I just turned on the TV, and it was just on, and I'd never heard of it before, and I was just like, what? What is happening? And the first thing I remember seeing was like that weird kind of like field that they yeah. lived in, but mm-hmm. it wasn't real. It didn't look real. And then the baby face sun coming up. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? No, it's hard And then to they know. emerge from their tubby hole with their tubby porridge or whatever. And, um, and then they go even... to the little TV in their belly and they watch the thing. I loved it. I never even understood the concept. I, I, wh- who are these people? What are what these? race uh, what, of of creature? Are, you know, like what is the? What are they? Are they Martians? Are they? What do they live in? TVs? Is it a TV land? Well, they have that... TVs in their tummies. Why? <laughs> well, okay, so that you so can watch going. videos about that what happens in their tummies. <laughs> but then the videos go to the real world with kids doing things like learning about sharing or playing on the playground. But then you go back to their world. So I think they live in the TV. You think so? I don't know. They have tubby porridge, and they have, like, the vacuum sucky that lives with them. And <laughs> No, they don't. What? I think they do. I think there's, like, a, vacuum there's like a living sucking machine that cleans the house for them. They have a little, like— Well, you can get those here in our world. Yeah. Yeah, they have, like, a Roomba with a face on it. And they have, like, a— Oh, they... I was talking about people. Oh. <laughs> And they live in their little, like, I don't know, it's like an underground tubby, Teletubby cave. I love them. I can't get enough of them. I kind of want to watch them not, right now. I'm yeah. not casting judgment. I'm just I at am. this point. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, feel free to cast dispersions. I, I understand just, that I'm in the minority here. I just, yeah. not, I just never understood the concept. Yeah. And I, I, just, think, I, just I think ex- in some ways it geniusly doesn't have a concept. No, but I just accept it at face value. I just, yeah. But my thing about that is... It, I think it was produced by BBC. Originally, yeah, is it right? British? It's British, isn't it? Yeah. Or or Canadian? I'm not sure. I think it's British. I'm going to make these things. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. have you tell it to me. Television in the bed. Well, that's what I'm talking about. At some point, it, there was a pitch. And right? the sun. To wait get this for thing this. Made. The sun is going to be a baby's face. face, and it just giggles all the time. <laughs> Yeah. I loved it. It makes you want to punch children. <laughs> and that's the idea here. Yeah. And then there was that old ridiculous thing about how one of them was gay. Oh, yeah, the triangle symbol. Yes. All that stuff. And people Making got our all, kids gay. Got all worked up about it. Yeah. Oh, the teletubbies. I don't think that went away. I think that just went underground. Well, that's what turned you. Uh, sure. There you go. <laughs> 22 you, years old. You weren't gay before like, hey, that. Hey, <laughs> wait a minute. The purple creature with the right. TV in its belly is, really has a lot to, for me to know about. I'm getting a funny yeah. feeling. Telling me some things. I still love it. It's weird. It's maybe one of the weirdest things I've ever seen on television. I agree. And that's what's so amazing yeah. to me. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, that's a, that, that is the world of t- children's television shows, though. They can sometimes be incredibly subversive yeah. and weird. You know, Pee Wee's Playhouse is a great example of a. Very weird television yeah. show that was, yeah. you know, basically supposed to be for kids, but in a lot of ways wasn't. I don't think Teletubbies is for adults, though. No, I don't either. No, I don't. Right, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, sometimes you turn on PBS in the mornings, and there's just unwatchable stuff. Like, it's, there's there's no – it's just so high-pitched and, you know. Yeah. When I was a kid, so so when I was five, maybe four, was the first season of Sesame Street. And I remember – 
watching this new thing called Sesame Street that came on. And and Mr. Rogers was on then. It was all yeah. just starting. But I remember so much how funny, how deeply funny I thought Sesame Street stuff was. And that's because it was It was funny. funny. Yeah. It was really funny. It was amazing. Yeah. It still is. It is inc- well, not anymore. Not well, the I new mean, stuff. But like the stuff that I remember from the classic my, yeah. stuff is. It yeah. holds up. It's great. I haven't watched any new stuff. Well, that's yeah. that thing where on the DVD for the classic Sesame Street stuff, there's a warning, you know, not suitable for children. Well, that's right. Yeah. It says not suitable for children under under eight or something like that. And it's just like, well, that's <laughs> what's happened. Yeah. Change. Wow, what has happened? How did that not become suitable for children? Because of Teletubbies. Because of Teletubbies. Oh, and the laughing baby <laughs> face. Because of all the uh, earlier Muppets that they had that were racist. Yeah, well, that's also did. true. Got rid of those. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But now maybe they'd be popular again. <laughs> it's all turning back. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, Tales of the Eclipse. We're going to have to talk about it yeah, when we get back. Yeah, EclipseCon. I'm so excited. Just um, coming up here, right around the corner. Yeah, I leave in like a couple days. Yeah. It's on Monday. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be, be very good. fun. All right. Yeah. Bridge from nowhere. I'm not going to do a damn thing about it. Going all coronal. Well, it's going to be overcast here, I'm sure. Going yeah. super coronal on you. We're getting full coronal, circumsolar. Ugh, got full coronal. Yeah. Oh, my God. Or, or <laughs> ar- ar- Ariel. Isn't there some kind of word that means sun? Yeah. Oreo. Solar. Solar. <laughs> Solar. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Solar. All right. Next, New York-based photographer Patrice Helmar joins us, and Lou immediately tells her about his thinning hair. I don't know when the hell it was, but... 29 or 30. Uh, yeah, but you I, remember I, this moment. Like, I took another mirror, and I angled it to look in the other mirror, and I right. was flabbergasted. Aghast. Aghast. Hmm. Agog. Agog. I was surprised at how much of my scalp I could see under there, <laughs> and how many... Bed bugs and, and lice were visible. Well, that's that's. Are the, you really recording this? That's the plus side. You get to see what's on your what's living on you. <laughs> Is this what this going to be like the whole night? Just you guys talking about your bodies and it's kind making of sound effects? Or disgusting, kind of, disgusting, thin yet flabby bodies. Yes. Awesome. So Patrice Helmar is here. Pat Chop Patches. Hey How's guys. it going? It's going hey. well. Yeah, I'm happy to be back in the trust tree. Yes. Now, let's, let, what's going on? Are you, you back extended <gasps> for an extended period of time this summer? I'm here until the end of the month. Okay. Yeah, and I've been here for about a month. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. I'm on a residency. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> Self-imposed. <laughs> but you are a uh, your faculty where now? Where do you? I'm a professor at Columbia University and at Pratt Institute. And what are what are those? What are, are those completely separate things? Or are yeah. they, oh, they are. Okay, so what's Pratt Institute? So I've heard of Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Andy from The Office. You know, like I don't know if you've heard about it, but I went to Cornell. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little school in the Northeast. <laughs> right. Um, so Pratt, I don't know Pratt, or maybe I do. I may have well, sort so, of heard of it. So Pratt is 
you know, it's an arts institution. They also have engineering and architecture and good stuff like that. Also um, based in New York? It's in Brooklyn and in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Is that something that typically happens where uh, professors will get kind of dual gigs, that sort of thing? or When you're first starting off as you're like a baby professor, it's kind of like being a junior electrician. So before, you, before you're a journeyman. It's an apprenticeship. Yeah, you're, um, you're an adjunct. So I teach at those two different institutions. And yeah, it's not uncommon. You've probably read articles about it in Newsweek about how adjuncts are misused. I've heard of the word adjunct. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of it in beer. Mm-hmm. Corn is an adjunct. Mm. Grass. No, not grass. <laughs> um, rice. Rice, which is a grass. So you could say grass could. if you want to belittle you the could. big breweries. <laughs> you could. You could. Yeah, so that's, uh, I don't know where we're going with this. Well, I just was wondering your, what, what's going on yeah, in your life professionally doing. right now. Yes. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, you know. I don't, yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a LinkedIn. Maybe I should. Oh, that's the issue. Do people really have LinkedIn? Is I, that really a thing? I have one, and all it does is give me annoying spam. Yeah. You know, I I get emails. Although when people, people say join. They, people say they're supposed you're supposed to promote your podcast on your LinkedIn. Mm. I don't do that. Yeah. I have one. It says self underemployed since 2005. <laughs> yes, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> been working for yourself since 2005. He's been underemploying himself since 2005. <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah. hard. not as easy as it sounds. With an immense, believe me, I know <laughs> immense skill set of. Loafing, roustabouting, layabouting. I, you seem pretty active to me, Lou. I don't know. He's, I think, yeah, I think you're active. Mm-hmm. But you're active in maybe in ways, like I don't think you're motivated by the almighty dollar too much. Right? You're active in ways that you work on projects that are interesting to you and you work on. Mm-hmm. You're kind of always in motion, right? I wouldn't I'm call you a, right a venture <laughs> capitalist. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what that means. I don't, yeah, I don't know what those I'm are. more of an adventure capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> when do I get my pug t-shirt? That's good. I know. That's what you really are here for. That's why I'm here. Look. <laughs> Stop the b- yeah. Do you guys curse on this podcast? No, I have to, I'll have to edit that I've, out later. I've really, been, I've really been trying to behave See, myself. I know. Andy has to reverse every utterance of a non-public radio sanctioned word. So <laughs> it's going to sound like tishlub. Oh, you like put it in reverse. I do. I just go tishlub. Mm-hmm. Now, if I reverse that, I'll be in trouble. See? You know what I think the Pulitzer Prize folks really missed out on was... Uh, do you remember when JB went and did some field recordings oh. for KXLL? And there's one where he, when they were tearing up the subport, where they're tearing up the subport. So funny. And do we still have that? Is that we, still somewhere? We do. I think so. It must be in the. I'll, I'll see can if I can dig it to out. It later? Yeah, it's so good. So funny. Jeremiah Blankenship is yeah. truly the best a, thing to ever happen to public. A radio. magician. And and yeah, and, and, and maybe the worst. And, no, but an, and an anomaly. <laughs> but no, the best. You know, and the, the idea best. that I got to get JB on the air a lot was amazing. No, he's just amazing. He's amazing. He's so gifted. He's, he's brilliant. He's gifted, gifted yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. Cooking like a madman down in Texas now. I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can see him in Texas cooking. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he cooks up a storm down there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and uh, so shout out to you, JB. I think he listens. I miss JB. I miss JB a lot. Jibblesworthy. Oh, Jables, Jables and Bits. <laughs> so, 
This is a podcast about being Alaskan. Well, kind it's a, of. kind of about like the life of living in Alaska, and you mm-hmm. are a you are an Alaskan born mm-hmm. and bred, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, and part of a long-standing. I guess your dad kind of came over from Massachusetts, right? Yes. But your but your mom is part of a long-standing. That's right. Uh, Juno family. I get Metcalfed a lot. Yeah, a lot of people. I'm it's sure. A verb. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a compliment. Like, oh, you're a Metcalf. I'm like, yes. Sure. Yeah. Just not my head. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Technically, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, um, so that's an interesting thing because you are uh, not just a kid who grew up in Juno, but also kind of part of a big family. Yeah, you know, surrounded by lots of cousins and stuff, right? And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, you know, it's when you leave Alaska, you realize that there's so many unique things about being an Alaskan, and there's, like, so many things about our cultural identity as Alaskans that don't translate to other places very well. (laughs) Like New York City. Yeah, (laughs) like (laughs) New York, like the Big Apple. Um, But it's kind of the – it's, like, the perfect thing for me because I get to live there – Eight or nine months out of the year, and then come home. And you get you ever get stuck like in awkward situations where you realize, oh, I'm just really making assumptions based on my Alaskanicity. Yeah, like <laughs> the first year was just like it could have been like a perfect strangers episode or something. Like I was just bulk, you know, bulky. Remember him, yes. the guy from Serbia or Montenegro or whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> There's a situation where I didn't, I couldn't figure out how to get on the train. Like literally, it was a it was a weird turnstile, and I was like. I, I, I swiped my card, like screwed the pooch. I was actually with my uh, my boss at the time from Columbia. Then I swipe his Metro card, screw it up. <laughs> so then somebody has to actually walk me through the turnstile. That's that's how homeschooled in Alaska and I was. This is like my first month in the city. Um, that's embarrassing in front of your boss. Yeah, they still talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the time you couldn't use the subway? They call you old turnstiles. Yeah. Old turnstiles, Hellmeyer. Good old three times the charm. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, life in the big city. It's tough to be a country mouse. Right. right? I mean, that's the thing, you know. Right, right, right. But, uh, yeah. So so you um, – well, tell me a little bit about your kind of – you kind of had an interesting – you've pursued – a career in a field that almost any career counselor person would say, well, that field's going away, so don't go into that field yeah. in a way, right? So right. photography is something that, especially professional <laughs> photography, right, has right. been really usurped by the fact that everyone has a phone. So there's a lot of great, great professional photographers who are not in, we're not working a lot because. Uh, there's no, there's no longer these publications that will pay a living wage for a number right. of photographs, right? Uh. Well, the field of study that I went into was um, a bit different than journalism, right? And I think there's a distinction there that photojournalism, in particular, photojournalists have really suffered uh, because of, you know, the democracy of photography today, right? Which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing in terms of photography as a medium. I think it's unfortunate that people that went through all that training maybe don't, aren't able to support themselves. Um, But it's a relatively new medium and it's changed a lot in the last 30 years. 
right? It's changed yeah. considerably in my lifetime. So I'm right on the, you know, I'm right in the middle of it. I'm I'm 36, so I learned photography as an analog. Um, and now it's, for the most part, a digital thing. But you, um, you stay a lot in the analog world, right? You work yeah. in a... Um, dark room and you work with all that stuff and you develop photos and I'm a specialty act <laughs> a novelty <laughs> if you will no I really am and I think um, there's there's so many differences between digital photography and anal- and and just regular photography and I don't like to say analog photography because I think there's you know photography is one thing and digital photography is another thing right and people use the word image in relation to digital photography, and we could use the word photograph in relation to photography, photography. So it gets a little confusing, but, um, you know, digital photography's never really caught up to um, to film photography in some ways. So, Oh, what do you mean? In terms of quality, in terms of print quality, in terms of um, the quality of a photograph. I mean, the sensors are getting bigger and bigger, but they're still not as big as a large format camera. Yeah. Those right. huge yeah. negatives can hold so much information. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I've never really, I guess I haven't really thought about that before, but right. it's a it's a chemical process, right? Mm-hmm. So it's chemically capturing this. So it's working on a molecular level. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's archival, right? Silver gelatin prints will last if well cared for, for God knows how long, for a very long time, whereas scientists, artists, master printers will tell you, we don't know if inkjet prints are really going to last. Yeah. so like, We just don't know. And same with the, the negatives themselves can <clears throat> last Yeah. decades. Right. So that's that's been part of my summer here is I've been working with the archive uh, at the State Museum Library. So you guys have this in common because you also did that about a year ago. About you were working a lot at the state museum, library, I was and archives. Taking photos of the objects. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing any archival. You mean images? <laughs> yes, yes. Market in a theory. Market a dude. I was doing digital imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to uh, examine all the objects up close. And they and were doing that for purposes of having data so that they catalog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that right? They wanted, uh, they had old f- photos filed away, but they didn't have all of the objects. And me and two other photographers took uh, images. Oh, you guys are, f- I mean, you can call it. Photography. I'm just. I'm being of, yeah. difficult. <laughs> I think. Well, that's in. You know, it's you. A distinction. Well, you're in the field. Yeah. So you under. Yeah. So there are definitely those terms within the field. I'm sure. That mean yeah. a lot. You know, <laughs> and that's one of them, right? But there's lots of different terms that mean a lot. Well, in I think any here's technical here, field. Yeah. Here's a question. I mean, it's like, okay, Lou, if I gave you my camera that I work with today, would you be able to figure out how to make photographs with it? You probably would, because you're. You've a done that work you're a before. Smart dude. But can you develop? I've done film developing before, mm-hmm. but the s- step one, the pointy end of the camera goes towards whatever you're <laughs> taking a photo of. 
I got that down. Yeah. Uh, well, we. I, I, go from, I go from there. The rest guess, is a blur. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just the, step two. I wake up on sandy beach, and I have a strange Labrador around my wrist. Black eye. <laughs> a black eye and a halibut jacket that doesn't belong. And to a me. bag full of forty chicken heads. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. I'm just making the point that like the layman iPhone photo photographer, right? might not know how to operate, like even a 35-millimeter camera in the way that that's how we learned how to make photographs. Mm -hmm. So the thing that's missing is an awareness of what a real print looks like or even what a real print feels like in your hand. It's no longer a physical object, so it's really changed. Our our cultures become more of a digital culture. It's changed. And less tangible. Right. Well, it's changed the way I mean, the, the culture is a less tangible culture, right? Those those yeah. things don't last. It's but I, don't, I don't, would also say that one of the reasons why maybe those images don't seem to last is because they're not as good. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. When we had these amazing photographers out there, especially in the journalism field or capturing mm-hmm. events as they happened, you know, you know, we had Capra out there capturing events, right? Yeah. It was incredible, <laughs> right? And so now it's like, well you know the the immediacy of the event is captured right but not necessarily the the not necessarily the quality of what's happening although you know as you look at events especially like the ones that just happened in Charlottesville and stuff you know those are powerful images that are visceral and probably will stay with us i think that like i think it, digital media is amazing and i think especially like live streaming has been so important for um, different movements and protests and, and for keeping track of things on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm not discounting that at all. It's been great. It's just different. Yeah. I'm just saying that, um, you know, it's been a struggle to try to keep photography alive as a chemical process, as a as a physical process. Um, yeah, the convenience is... It's a pain in the neck, which I understand. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, this is... <laughs> right. I'm carting around all this crap. Right? I, it's costly and it takes time. But, yeah, that's what I do and that's what I teach. And I mean, that was like speaking of Capra, right? Half of his D-Day stuff was lost because an assistant right. turned on a darkroom light. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean you, yeah, you talk about an epic whoops. It's, it's got to be maybe one of the most significant whoops in the history of right. Western journalism. You know? <laughs> this guy went out on the first boats at Omaha – uh-huh. Caught this imagery, came back, Awkward. amazing stuff, gave it to his assistant to develop, and the assistant said, you know, three of those four roles got exposed. Well, <laughs> there's a lesson there. There is. <laughs> Maybe a couple of them. <laughs> Never hire an assistant. Yeah. Well Named and it, Igor. And if we and if we look at the and if we look at the uh the roles of film that survived, they were da- also damaged. And so What's interesting is that that became um, an aesthetic choice in photography afterwards, that things were blown out, that things were grainy, that things were contrasted because those photographs were so popular, the images of D-Day and 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 Normandy and powerful, that then photographers are like, well, that Robert Cap is an artist. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just punch the uh, ASA up and uh, mimic that style. Oh, man. Well, yeah. So, uh, so 
So I don't know. It's all just it's all change. It all changes. But you pretty um, your whole focus, and we can talk about it in a minute here. But your whole focus didn't develop into photojournalism. It went in a different direction where you're yeah. trying to catalog things that are real, I think, but you're doing it in a way that's not about the immediacy of the event. It's about something else. Kinda. Kinda. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Talk more with Patrice Helmar in just a minute here on Bridge from Nowhere. Fetch, squish, ooblick. And, uh, sounds like, go ahead. That's just you doing that with your cheeks. No. No, it isn't. That's a dog that's shaking off after he drank water. No. It's an ooblick. What does that sound? What Describe what's making that sound. You take a certain amount of uh, cornstarch powder and you mix it with water until it gets this, uh, Thick consistency, mm-hmm. and, and I imagine it'd be like uh, well blubber, maybe. Yeah, or the melon of a beluga. Oh, I love the melon of a beluga. And you could shake it around, and we made it to make sound effects for a movie called Snarfloxing with Humans. Um, and it's it's a it's that type of like quasi liquidy solid that if you hit it hard, it rebounds. But I if you so, push yeah. into it, it just absorb. It just it just lets your hand go in, just right? like the melon of a beluga. <laughs> well, don't punch a beluga hard, no, though. I like to, though. <laughs> no, yeah. they you have don't. it coming. Yeah. They, with their whiteness, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're so <laughs> pure. I did get to put my hand in the melon of a beluga once. Yeah, on through in kind of. What did that? What was that like? It was like. It was weird because it was like you kind of push and then like you like go in. Like memory foam? Yeah, a little bit like memory <laughs> foam, but like memory foam that has like consciousness too because they can manipulate their melon. So you kind of push and it's soft and the blue was there and, you know, was like enjoying it. And then you kind of feel the melon just go like. <laughs> like start to kind of move around a little bit. How far did your hand get into this uh, In my memory, like up to the elbow, but that's probably what? not true. No, I, def- I got in there like farther than I expected though. It's really – Squishy and it has, this is like memory foam. You really got to kind of push a little bit. Isn't it just a fatty? It's just like a bunch hard, of fatty thing. Thing that they manipulated to make different sounds. Yeah, to, and to like, yeah, it's to like make a, different sounds and a lens thing. for audio. Yeah, totally. And it focuses their their laser beam from their from their guttural section. And their whistles and clicks. The canaries of the sea. Mm-hmm. Yes, the canaries of the sea. I believe that's what they're called. So, how did you get into the situation to even? Fist this melon. <laughs> well, well. I mean, to stick your fist into this melon. It was an open palm. But uh, <laughs> um, it was when Jen worked at SeaWorld long ago. She was in the education department. And uh, one day, I don't know why, but Jen was like, hey, I'm going back behind the 
scenes and you should come. And I went. And you like go through, you know, like they're out there in the pool that the people see them. And then there's a little behind the seats kind of holding tank where so, they can go right, whenever they want. Here we go. Oh, it's an area of the sea. The sound. I thought that was Jamie. It's like he's blowing bubbles, right? Kind of. And his his head is vibrating as he's doing that. It's cool. Yeah, they're pretty cool animals. They do all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. they're pretty cool. So, so yeah. yeah, so it was like behind the scenes, and then he's just in the holding tank. And they really, or at least this one, the beluga trainer said he likes interaction. And so, like, you put your hand, like, inside his jaw and rub around behind the teeth, and he really dug that. And then he said, you can push on the melon, you know, don't push too hard and anything like that. But you just, and there's just give and then it just <laughs> pushes <laughs> back a little bit. Yeah. It starts to kind of like come around a little bit. Yeah. And then there was like a harbor seal in the same area that had just pulled out of the water and was just doing that harbor seal thing where they bounce, but they have no like traction. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like trying to come over to like join the party, but it was like, you know. 15 yards away, so it was going to take all night. <laughs> Belly bouncing. like. Did you get hey. to pet it? I did. I went over and sort of rubbed its head a little bit. Yeah. What did it feel like? I don't really remember that well, that one. It what? Just as smooth as I remember, like slick. What yeah. did the... the... I've, uh, I've spanked a dolphin. Really? Yeah. No. Carry on. Well, I haven't spanked a dolphin, but I have touched a dolphin. What Where, did its skin feel like? Where'd you do that? Uh, that was at SeaWorld in Orlando, and they had a wild dolphin tank where they had dolphins that had had interactions, like either been caught in nets or oh, yeah. had been rescued. So they were basically just had a big tank, and these were these kind of wild dolphins that they were trying to either rehabilitate to, re- to re-release or I don't know what. And, uh, yeah, I figured out a way to kind of make a sound on the side of the pool, and they all came over to me. Oh, nice. Yeah, the dolphin really, whisperer. All the, yeah, all the dolphins Stop came that, over. Stop that, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so annoying. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And they all looked, and so you're able to rub their You're just shaking your keys heads. <laughs> under the water. Yeah. Honk the horn. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was the summer. Jen worked in the education department, so I used to go to SeaWorld all the time and uh, watch her, like, give little presentations in front of the killer whale tank or the belugas or whatever. And then SeaWorld was, is, is still owned by Anheuser-Busch, I think, right? I think so. They may have – I don't know. I don't know, yeah. But anyway, there was also, like, a place that they were just giving away Budweiser samples. So I would just sometimes go there, too, yeah. on a hot day and hang oh, out yeah. for a while. And we used to get two free cases of Budweiser every month because Jen worked at SeaWorld. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't really know what to do with. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot, <laughs> a lot to get of, through. A lot of Budweiser. Yeah. Two cases every yeah. month. Man. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't that? That whole thing of, uh, of course, SeaWorld has undergone a lot of transformation since those days. Yes, they that have. Was, that might have been almost, what, it was 15, 15, 20 years ago? 16 years ago, years yeah. Ago, yeah. Right. And this one, at least, uh, the reason Jen stopped working there was because they got rid of the education department. Wow. Which was like, wow, really? Huh. It's so that's just, your priorities. Yeah, it's that just, was no good. Yeah. yeah. It's also interesting for me because I went there before I lived here at all. So I had never really lived on the sea before. And so it was still like this amazing thing to me of these animals and marine mammals like that. Because I lived in Minnesota and in Denali. But not like here where they're around and it's a whole different kind of experience. It's totally, that thing yeah. about there, there is that whole movement of people. That's not even if it's a movement, but there's a lot of people out there in America keeping wild animals. Yeah. Keeping big wild animals, right? 
I moved up here from Florida, and even when I moved up here, the people in Florida were doing that all the time. Of course, it's a tropical environment, so animals live. Yeah. But there's an attraction that I think is just kind of like a, a very understandable attraction to be able to touch these massive, intimidating, beautiful animals. You know, to pet a tiger would be awesome, probably. Yeah. To be able to... You know, to get lifted up by an elephant would be awesome. I mean, all those things would be awesome. I don't know that I agree with the situation in which no. you can do that, though. That's yeah. the thing, right? Yeah, that's the thing. And uh, so I understand the attraction. And so, and people make these bonds with these animals. And even kind of in a way, you understand how someone might go down that road. But, you know, then these crazy people own seven tigers. And then, yeah, and, and then, then there was that guy like they're in not the, found. Yeah, yeah. And like the Cleveland suburbs or whatever <laughs> whose all of his animals got out. Yeah. <laughs> that's they, what it got. Well, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah, that's what and happens. And in Florida, it yeah. doesn't even make headlines. No. Because it just happens all the time. There's just a constant warning from the state of Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah, watch out for Siberian tigers in yeah. your neighborhood. You know? And there was that guy with the uh, tick petting farm. No. Oh. Yeah, in Florida, right? Yeah, <laughs> they got loose. <clears throat> they really got loose. But yeah, now of course it's so bad that you know pythons are the apex predator in the Everglades now. That's right. It's no yeah. longer the alligator, so that's bad. That's I think. bad. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I'm generally not <laughs> the privatization of wild animals. Generally, no. I'm not. I mean, but you know, I do have this other little part of like, it can be done better. And like when I was growing up in Minnesota in the suburbs, like the Minnesota Zoo was this place that exposed me to not wild animals but animals and the concepts behind like animals and nature and things like that that my parents bless them i love them we're not outdoorsy people really and my dad was a jazz musician and my mom just wasn't an outdoorsy person so i didn't go camping or hiking really as a kid so the zoo was like a pretty important place to me as a kid and we enjoyed the lincoln park zoo and we were in chicago right in the middle of chicago yeah I mean, zoos are you know great opportunities to see monkeys pooping sure i mean that's (laughs) And then, you know, there's an area in Florida outside of Miami where um, you have to really watch out for monkeys in the trees because it used to be an area that I think they called like Monkey World or Monkey Jungle or something. And, you know, it was one of these businesses and they had all this netting over this area of forest. And then, of course, they either went out of business or the netting ripped and all the monkeys got loose. So now there's this colony of monkeys living outside of Miami. (laughs) What kind of monkeys? I think they're like... Spider monkey kind of little monkeys. Howler monkeys? <laughs> I don't think they're howlers. That's good. That's good, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, listener. Farewell. <laughs> now enjoy the next 20 minutes of howler monkey noises. Uh, done, done not very well. Folks, the rain has started falling. Turn off the lights, light a candle. And welcome to Howler Monkey Corner. <laughs> and do, you do, uh, do you do any monkeys? In the next episode, we do capuchin monkeys. <laughs> and screech owls. <laughs> <laughs> this next episode of Annoying Animal Noises. Yes. <laughs> Sounds annoying with Andy, Jamie, and Lou. <laughs> Sounds annoying. (laughs) (laughs) What's that annoying sound? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, yeah, anyway, you got any any zoo stuff? Do you remember zoos when you were a kid? I don't know. I went to the Anchorage Zoo a couple times, and 
as a kid, I, I loved it, seeing all these animals you never see in real life, yeah. um, getting up close, that the, the zoo smell. Yeah, it is a good smell. Man, it's animalistic. The uh, elephants and just, just getting to see them. But as a kid, you don't think about their living conditions or... No, right. Yeah. Uh, That's for adults. Yes. Adults yeah. should worry adults about that. Adults should think about that. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard, yeah, because there are a lot of bad zoos out there, too. But yeah. I mean, you know, it seems like we're at this moment in the history of the way we've dealt with animals. You know, so Ringling Brothers closed up shop. Yeah. You know, so this mistreatment of wild animals for our entertainment purposes seems like it's... And I don't necessarily want to... I don't know that Ringling Brothers was mistreating animals in the last 10 years or whatever, but I certain, I'm sure they had a history of it. <laughs> of the experiences, that's a pretty weird yeah. one for a yeah. wild animal. Right. Like, as opposed to like a San Diego Zoo or something. Right. Where, yeah. where it's a mm. strange and there's people around, but it's not... You're not being... Yeah. You're not like, it's on the train. Oh, <laughs> Man. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me because I also think about like Living here, it's easy to have that like connection to the natural world. But living in a lot of other places, it really isn't, and it's less and less. I think every year for kids. So yeah, if the I, zoo is one of those last bastions of it. Like it's a, I don't know. I mean, it's not ideal though, because obviously these are not animals that should be in captivity. But but it's yeah. that is so true. Where does a kid, you know, growing up in you know Trenton, New, Zer- New Jersey, where do they go to see a great large animal naturally? At the Jeff's rib house. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, you know, you just, you, you know, we have the opportunity to see bears and we yeah. do. And then we, I have the opportunity, even if we just, a, with a little bit of travel, we could see moose and yep. whales, and porcupines, whales even and like porcupines, beavers, you know, lions, kinds of you know, stuff, oh, sea lions. Amazing, yeah. huge creatures. So, yeah, it's, uh, that is a, it feels, to me, it feels really natural to be able to do that. Yeah. But uh, it certainly isn't the way that a, a lot of America lives anymore. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah, for me as a kid, the zoo was one of the only places like that where I was sort of like in touch with that in any way. And it's not the best way, but it was better than nothing. Yeah. I wonder if there should just be like a, you know, some sort of restriction on the amount of zoos in America. Yeah, some you know? regional big zoos that yeah. are good. Yeah. A lot of resources poured into them. Mm-hmm. Provided really large spaces, well thought out, you know. Yeah. I haven't really been to many zoos that are like that. No. Well, I mean, the <clears> Minnesota <throat> Zoo is pretty good. San Diego. So I, haven't, I just haven't yeah. been to those, yeah. And San Diego is a wild animal park, which is kind of just one big open space where all the animals run around together. The place that I went, so on the East Coast, we would go down and take trips down. When I was living in the Boston area as a little kid, we'd go drive down to Florida. And there was Lion Country Safari. <laughs> Which where you drive yeah. through this pretty big area, and those these lions are, and other things like giraffes and rhinos and stuff are just walking around, and you were told not to roll your windows down, you know, but of course you did because it's hot and yeah. you want to touch the giraffe, you know. So that's weird though because yeah, you're weird. driving through and there's smoke and you know all that yeah. stuff. And then uh, Bush Gardens in oh, yeah. in Tampa been there yeah had a big White tigers. Um, yeah, and yeah. they and they had they had some that seemed like they were kind of like cages, but really there was like a lot of big areas where they just roamed, and you took a monorail around and you mm-hmm. looked. So that was kind of like the San Diego model. Yeah, 
And the weather there seemed to be fitting to like African animals and stuff, right? It never got freezing cold. It's always sad to see elephants in the snow and stuff. You yeah. Know? It's like the Anchorage Zoo always seemed tough that way. You know, you had... They had a treadmill for their elephant, yeah, right? Before right. they finally shipped her away, right, I think, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like Spe- that. I wish I had that elephant treadmill. Of uh, <laughs> animals. Jamie, you often wear Juno... Or Alaska T-shirts. I do. While in Juneau or Alaska. And typically, only tourists wear Alaska T-shirts. Well, that's sad. That's true. Why do you wear them? Um, I... Uh, because you can get them for 50 cents each at the yes, end of the summer? Yes, at the end of the summer. You go down to... The, you're giving away my secrets. <laughs> go down to the T-shirt shops at the end of the summer and 10 for a dollar. You know, yeah. Up the tram. Um... And then I think Andy, I remember long ago, you got the multi-bear shirt for Excellent Radio, and I really liked it. Find the nine hidden yeah, bears. Yeah, nine hidden bears. And so I, I, I remember really liking that shirt and like <laughs> wishing I had one. And then one day I went, I think I was up to tram at like the end of the season, and they were just giving them away. I think it was $5 a shirt. So I got a couple. And then I just started wearing them, and then it sort of became like a thing that I do. <laughs> yeah. They're also yeah, like, you, a, they're among the more comfortable shirts that I have too, which become... is part of it. Known as the Find the Animal T-shirt man, I have been a little bit. Yeah. Now you have, uh, you have eagles. I have eagles, uh-huh. bears, bears, wolves. Mm-hmm. I want to get the one that has owls on it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> putting have, that out there. I have now. a huskies one. Oh, do you? All husky. I've never dogs. seen you wear it. I think you did. Really? Yes. I don't remember. I was wearing it recently. Oh. Yes. Hmm. You should get a moose one, maybe a red-backed vole. Red-backed vole. Find, find the, the 200 marmot. red-backed <laughs> If there was a marmot one, I would buy it. Oh, I've yeah. actually thought about designing a marmot one because that's the one I want, and yeah. no one's made it. Mm. And I feel like if I just had one – I mean, I can't decide if it's just one huge marmot that, well, like, that takes up the whole front of the shirt. I think it's a couple of different shirts. Yeah, that could be true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got room in the yeah, wardrobe. Yeah, generally the model they do, like the eagle one is just one really big one with a bunch of eagles hidden. And the bear one has like three big ones in it, so I can't quite decide. Um, but the other part about that for me that I don't think about at all is I wear those – like the shirts that I wear most of the time, like Lou says. And so when I pack to go down south – like go to San Francisco or you know somewhere like that. I'll pack the shirts I always wear, mm-hmm. and then I get there and, and I put on 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 the street, and it's even weirder to wear it's, a shirt. It's not like ironic that. anymore. Not in yeah. Alaska. You're just yeah. you you're just like oh you're that guy. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean I'm, I suppose I'm that guy here that guy too. Must have visited Alaska. Yeah, boy, that guy loves eagles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I already feel you know like I'm not a fashion. I don't I don't dress well. But yeah, you really you you're, no. I mean, I I like to think I do, but yeah. Um, so yeah, when you're wearing nine hidden bears on the streets of Manhattan, you're I really... mean, there's nothing wrong with acid wash jeans with holes in weird, weird locations. There are oh, some wow. weird holes in these, yeah. <laughs> but yes, find the eagles. It's sometimes if I'm out and I'm at like a, a bar or like during folk fest, I wear my find the hidden eagle shirt, and people start pointing at the hidden eagles, and they'll get really jabby. They've had a few, <laughs> and you end up with like bruises oh. the next day. Yeah. Little finger point bruises. There's one. Gah. So there's one. Gah. If yeah. you can give some fashion tips uh, to for, for Alaskans, what would they be? Or to maybe dress more like a carnick? Oh, well, get your animals are good. Mm-hmm. Tiger, pug, eagles, bears, mm-hmm. wolves. Uh, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. What are other clothing 
uh, things do you recommend? Zip-offs. Zip-offs? Yes. Yeah. It's pants and shorts together. And that's that's it. That's all I got. What, what would your fashion advice be, Lou? Or do you have? Do you think I should have more? Yeah. Continue. What about the you put often put on button up shirts, but you don't button them up. That's true. I do that. Why as do you well. do that? Uh, because it's more comfortable than buttoning them up. <laughs> Less constricting. And do you prefer acid wash or um, other styles of jeans? I prefer the jeans that are a little too big for me. <laughs> Why is that? So that there's roominess. <laughs> I'm all about roominess. So you have to wear a belt. Yeah, okay. I do. I wear like a cloth belt that has two rings on it that you have to pull to tighten. It's really a shameful belt. And actually. you've had that thing for years, and, and the end of it is all frayed up, right? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah. I took it off a pair of pants that stopped fitting. <laughs> now I wear it's it. a recycled belt. Yeah, it's a recycled <laughs> belt from an old pair of pants that doesn't fit anymore. Yeah. So that's what I do, too. Do you ever wash it? No, I don't think I ever have. It looks a little so. bit like a belt from a gi. Oh, it could be a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know. It looks a little bit like when I got or one a, year or one from a from a yoga workout. There's these belts yes. that they use in yoga workouts. Well, I'm unfamiliar walk. with that, yeah. but <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah. The first time Heather brought one home, I was like, "Honey, what's going on? Mm. <laughs> what's up? Well, <laughs> what are you thinking about?" Yeah. <laughs> so, Andy, what about you? Fashion styles for. Listeners. Well, I always think it's if, why go with just one logo of the place you work when you could have seven. <laughs> yes, billboard. So I am the hidden logos. I am the I am the human billboard of wherever I'm working. So it used to be excellent radio shirts mm-hmm. nonstop, and, and now you used to give me a bunch of those, and I yeah. still have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple too. I still wear. In fact, I'd You're say like twenty five percent of my clothes are excellent radio clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so now I wear all the brewery stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get fewer of those. Yeah, well, oh. I've got lots of them. I got lots. You can have them, and uh, extra large, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, how about you, Lou? Well, um, I'm not done. Oh, oh Andy, continue. I'm sorry. You, I have a couple of other things. Hats. I have one that's I have, hats. I always oh, wear two hundred fifty hats. I often wear a baseball hat, but that, you know, really, the reason why I often wear a baseball hat is because I'm lazy about getting haircuts. Mm. Oh. So when I have had a haircut and I'm and you know recently. It doesn't have to, I don't have to feel like it's good. I don't care. But I just don't like when my hair gets so floppy that it's flopping around and like mine right now. Well, yeah, usually, yeah but anyway. You have a fine flowing head of hair too. I if got I a may lot of say hair. as someone who has less and less hair by the minute. <laughs> yeah, you have, have a fine flowing head. I have a ton of hair, but uh on my head. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the other secret thing that I have that um is something that uh, is a very Juno thing to do. Is I almost all seasons of the year wear these, which are fleece lined jeans. Aren't they hot right now? I wear lined jeans almost every day. In that last stretch of great weather we had this summer, I yeah. didn't didn't wear them. Other than that, they're nice. They're a little bit roomy, but they're warm. Aren't you hot like in a normal office environment or anything? Nah. Are there other people who do this? I don't know. I don't I've ask never, them. I've never heard. I should start asking. That's what this show's all about. Somebody... I bought a pair, but just like every single pair of pants I own, I can't wear them because they're way too long. Oh. So I need to uh, get them hemmed. <laughs> you have to go to short man, fat man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> short man, small man. Short, fat, balding man <laughs> store. Or just go buy Mrs. Stuff. Children's, <laughs> not children. Mrs. Children. Youth large. <laughs> youth, I gotta go to Sears. Unisex youth large. <laughs> youth large. <laughs> I gotta go to Sears and buy more 
tough skins. Tough skins. skins. Never wear remember out. The, remember the trampoline they made of tough skins in the old commercial? I don't know if you remember that. You, I don't they at did. all. Yeah, this is wow. a long time ago. They had Man. a trampoline out of tough skins, and they showed the kids jumping. I was like, well, if it can take this, it can take whatever your kid can dish out. You know? You're witnessing a demonstration of Sears tough skin fabric. These kids are wearing tough skins, the jeans made of an exclusive permapress fabric. So is the trampoline. You can get boys and girls western style tough skin jeans in sizes 3 to 6X for $4.99, girl sizes 7 to 14 for $5.99, and boy sizes 7 to 12 for $5.49. Sears Tough Skins, the jeans that are tough to beat at a price that's tough to beat. Tough skins. Tough skins. Yeah. So what are your fashion? Well, um, wear whatever you pull out of the dresser. In the dark. So you may end up wearing the same colored pants and shirt uh-huh. and secondary shirt and coat <laughs> and be labeled monochrome man yes. on occasion. <laughs> Usually browns. Wear, get a lot of earth tones. It's like your safari outfit. I've seen that before. Yeah. <laughs> Four shades of brown. Jack Hanna's <laughs> in the back of the office. Yeah. <laughs> if your zip, pair of zip off, oh, zip offs. Uh, rips. Try to sew it together. Oh, you've, we've talked about this before. Uh, when when you sew the crotch back, make sure to use a different color, colored thread. And, so, a, and a fairly thick thread. And so it really shows and, and people can notice your repair, your good skills. Sew in an arrow shape if you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wear a lot of these. Um, Henley kind of? Or? Long sleeve. What's that called? Waffle, like a waffle print. Waffle print. Things. They hide stains well. <laughs> Stain. Um, and, and, and wear jeans until they wear out again because of the hemming issue. Uh-huh. Because um, you may have legs of an eight-year-old child. Oh, I thought you <laughs> meant because you have hems. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. You have legs you gotta, of a small you gotta, child. You got to hem it up to have a hem bag Ugh, in yeah. the back. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> <My> hems. <laughs> Wear them many days in a row. I do that too. The yeah, many I, days. I, yeah. I wear them many days in a row. Yeah. It's jeans. Jeans. Yeah. Jeans. Yes. Not, not underwear. Yeah. Not underwear. You alternate your underwear every other day. Underwear? Huh? <laughs> Andy don't cotton to it. I don't. Anyway, clothing tips with Andy Lou and Jamie. Fashion Corner. <laughs> That's it for Bridge from Nowhere today. Our hosts are Lou Logan, Jamie Karnick, and me, I'm Andy. Thanks to our guest, Patrice Helmar, today. And check out patricehelmar.com to see her beautiful work. Thanks to our house band, Coolson. Thanks to everyone at KTO for making this podcast happen. Think about leaving a comment when you download or listen to our podcast. And you can get more at bridgefromnowhere.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. We've burned another bridge.